You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Captivate and on Patreon. You can get bonus content of our show on either of those platforms or on Apple Podcasts with a private subscription to the Amazal Ministries Podcast Network. Titus 2, verses 2-7 through seven in the Christian Standard Bible. Older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect, sensible, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to excessive drinking. They are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, workers at home, kind and in submission to their husbands, so that God's will will not be slandered. In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Make yourselves an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. In this section of scripture, the author is explaining how people of different generations are to help one another build up the church. Uh, Matthew and Brianna, what do you think it looks like for the church to do this today? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the starting point where I would go with first would be mentorship. You know, kind of no matter what age you're looking at, I think having people who are older mentor and walk with those who are younger, who have already experienced things in life, I think helping them along is kind of a great way to to reach that goal. And then I think that example is still important today. It might look different for different people, but how we behave, whether it's on social media or just out walking on the sidewalk, example is still important no matter what generation and what generation we're showing, um, how we live. It's still very important for Christians. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, possibly your favorite church unity podcast. You know, maybe not. Maybe you have others. That's fine, too. We are in unity with them. It's fine. So, (laughs) hey, guys, I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Knoll. Um, Hopefully later on in the episode, I'll be joined by your co-host, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Uh, He's not here yet. So we're going to try to do this without him, but we have uh, two fantastic guests I'm excited to introduce, uh, Brianna and Matthew Pinfold. Uh, Guys, welcome to the show. On the show. Great, thank you. Thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah, we're going to be discussing a millennial perspective of the church today, um, as well as a book they worked on and probably all kinds of other stuff while we're at it. It's going to be a fun time. For now, though, we want to go ahead and mention and let you guys know that you should check out the Anazal Ministries Podcast Network. It's the AMP Network. We have other podcasts over there. Systematic Ecology is another one me and TJ are on. Um, you you have the uh i'm trying to i'm just trying to think of some that i don't always my seminary life with brandon knight check that one out um uh, let nothing move you with christian ashley you know all good shows check them out of course you can also go over to Podchaser to rate and review our show or apple podcast spotify whatever else works too but we do prefer Podchaser. helps us uh, get other people to see the show and with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump into my favorite form of unity. Um, it, it's a spiritual practice we do here on the show of just silliness. Uh, so we always like to start with a silly question because it's just it's impossible to be in in disunity, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> when you're being as silly as I'm about to be. So today, if you could communicate with only one kind of rodent, which would you choose to communicate with? Um, I'll start first. I actually gave this a weird amount of thought, I feel like, because I was like, I don't want it to be rats because rats are kind of gross. I don't. uh, That's a no go for me. Um, I would say mice, 
but I, I just feel like that's just too plain of an answer. I'm actually I'm going to go with moles. I'm going to go with moles because they can spy. They can kind of dig. They can see what's over there. I don't know what's under the ground. Who knows <laughs> where all they go during the day? We have a ton of moles at our yard for some reason. Um, I wouldn't want to hear about the but the rest would be fun. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah, I, I like, like that. that one. That's a good one. Yeah. All right, Matt, what are you thinking? What kind of yeah, yeah. Do you want to communicate? Um, I think we gave this. Um, I, we gave I, it a lot. Of we gave it a lot of thought too. <laughs> I think I would go with a chipmunk. And my That's reasoning good. behind the chipmunks yeah. is I just want to know how closely um, tied they are to actually Chip and Dale. Like, are they offended yeah. by Chip and Dale, the <laughs> representation, or do they they agree with it? Is it spot on? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Rescue Rangers was a was a constantly on when I was young. I loved that show. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That, that Ducktales, Darkwing Duck, all the all the good millennial Disney shows. Exactly, right. exactly. Oh, which yeah, so it'll be it'll be a good tie-in when we talk about millennial stuff later on. But uh, first, one thing we found that really helps uh, establish unity in the church is actually just hearing one another's stories and just seeing how we come to faith. Um, would you guys mind sharing some of your own faith journeys and then even how you came to meet each other with us? Yeah, absolutely. So we have similar stories. Everybody's faith journey is different, but we both are PKs, preacher kids or pastor kids. And uh, his dad was a military chaplain. My dad was a United Methodist minister and he just retired. And so we had kind of similar upbringings that we were always in church, always had youth group. But the way that I like to think about it is we always had an opportunity or a chance to commune with God to commune with other Christians. And that was really important. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, uh, yeah, we, we did do share similar backgrounds, like she mm-hmm. sort of shared. And, you know, when, when you asked about how did we meet, you know, it goes all the way back to high school. Um, and really, I think it started with like a pre-calculus class, but then it sort of also rolled into indoor track and um, we were on an indoor track meet where we were sharing, like, we weren't in the same seat, but I think you were, like, one seat behind me. Yeah, it was me. behind you. <laughs> and um, I decided to turn around and tell her a ridiculous dream that I had had the night before, where I actually, like, defeated Darth Vader. Um, and why she ever gave me, like, the light of day after that is, <laughs> you, you know, defeated Darth God. Vader. Oh, that's exactly. all. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's <fair>. why. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, so how, how would you guys describe your current faith community uh, where you plug in now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it's a smaller church that we're, mm-hmm. we're in right now. You know, as with many small churches, you have sort of a group of people that are like very devoted and dedicated to like the life of the church. Um, yeah. Yeah. And our faith community, while it's small, like there are definitely some mighty people in it. And so. Mm-hmm you know, our whole lives, but particularly now, like being adults and still having a close relationship with our parents and having that common shared faith, they are the most important people to us in our faith journey as well still, because we're able to have these just deep conversations and it just adds extra depth and value to, I I would say our faith, but also our relationships with them. And so I think that they would probably be the most important people still in our faith journeys. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good though. That's great. Um, hmm. So one thing that, that we like to do, I'm, I'm really bad at this. I've never successfully done one of these on my own because I okay. always have follow-up questions, but we like to do our speed round segment. Uh, it's just, we like to ask a series of questions and we ask you guys to answer in a single s- sentence or less 
or to just say the word skip if you don't think you can do it. Um, again, we're not allowed any follow-up questions, so we're just going to run through these. Uh, you guys think you're ready for it? We're ready. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Who or what is God? Yeah, I, I would say God is the giver of life. And I would say too awesome to fully comprehend, but we should try. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. What is salvation? I think that's a tough one, but I would say salvation is all the restoration of all relationship to God. And mine's similar, but the personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, uh, that mints the gap. Hmm, okay. What is the significance of Baptist baptism in the Eucharist? Yeah, that's such a tough one, but um, I, I really think that I would say that it tends to be like our outward declaration of our faith towards God and, and just different practices. Yeah, and I think the holy routines that help us uh, stay connected but show that we're connected to Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay. What authority does Scripture have? That's such a good one. I would say it's more... Scripture is a, a guidebook to the committed Christian. And I think it's a divine text that gives direction to Christians that will interpret it. All right. All right. All right. Similar one. Uh, what authority does tradition have? I would say that tradition, uh, you know, really just kind of holds authority if it is tied to the Bible. Otherwise, it's just sort of man's way of doing things yeah and i think traditions change over time so they are as authoritative as we allow them to be <laughs> <laughs> all right what are your views on destiny or predestination oh yes the old calvinism <laughs> versus free will question. <laughs> um I, it's i would say i tend to believe that we have predestined encounters in our lives but then what we choose to do with them is up to us mm -hmm. and i think god and the divine is always at work and we and our free will are always at work all right can god change I think that God cannot change, but I think that God can decide how he reveals himself and that may be different at one time or another. And I say yes. <laughs> I say yes of God's character does not change, but God's actions and reactions change. Mm, mm, I like it. Okay. What do you love about the Bible? Yeah, so I would say the Bible, my favorite part of the Bible is just sort of the beautiful interwoven story of redemption that starts all the way from Genesis. And with a careful reading, you kind of see it throughout the entire Bible through the end. Yeah, and I just think the ability to hear Jesus Christ's words is just so magnificent. I think that's the best. Mm -hmm. True, true. Okay. What do you love about the church? Capital C. Church, yes. Church, capital C. You know, I really think that the beautiful thing about the church is that it's supposed to be this powerful countercultural movement made up of very flawed and sort of like misfit people. And I just love that there is a community for people that follow Jesus Christ that that's around. Nice. Okay. Last one. Which, if any, of the seven sacraments do you follow? Yeah, so baptism, the Eucharistic communion, um, uh, uh, anointing of the sick, and then marriage. And then be. confirmation for me. Okay. 
All right. I like it. I like it. Great answers. Awesome speed round. I think we TJ would be proud. TJ would be proud. Good, good. <laughs> awesome. Well, the main reason we had you guys on, um, not just the silliness and the fun, which, you know, it's always good. It's always good, especially those of us who grew up in 90s uh, kids church. You know, we had uh, all, right. the, yep. all the little like tokens you would and you got to go to the treasure chest and pick out a prize and all the like fun. Right. Stuff. Absolutely. Series on. Uh, grew up with veggie tales, you know, you got to keep, yeah. keep it alive. But <laughs> the main reason we had you on was because of your unique inspiration, your unique inspiration to discuss the church from a specific millennial lens. Um, what do you think makes the millennial perspective different? Uh, you know, all three of us are millennials, I presume. Um, TJ, he's not here, but he he's Gen Z. So sometimes you get a little bit of okay. different. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 So for us, you know, I don't know if you feel this way, if you've heard this, but millennials are kind of considered the middle child (laughs) of generations. (laughs) And so it very much feels that way. And so we kind of just wanted to look at it from that perspective as we're kind of wedged in between um, what feels like very faithful churchgoers above us and then below us, kind of the people that are dropping away from the church. So what does that feel like for us that are kind of caught in the middle and maybe see the church either sick or dying? And what do we do about it? Mm. So what's the answer? <laughs> uh, yes. I wish it was so we're, easy. We're <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think we find ourselves as millennials sort of in this, like we're holding this space of, we want to continue to be faithful churchgoers. We're watching other millennials leave. Mm-hmm. And really like our perspective is like, what is the point? of staying Mm -hmm. and and so we've really kind of you know thought spent a lot of time thinking about like what keeps us in Mm -hmm. the church and you know i think everybody has a different answer but um you know we've kind of come up with our our own views on it which is really just sort of like some of its tradition a lot of it's scripture based there's a lot of reasoning to it as well yeah and our own experiences experiences in the church which have you know by and large been very positive throughout our lives yeah And so I think for us, though, the answer is to stay and continue to be faithful in that because of the reasons that Matt was just saying, but hopefully also to change the parts that needs to be changed um, from the inside and not just leave and kind of point a finger from the outside and say, here's all the problems. Good luck to whoever's left. Yeah. Yeah. I find that the experience answer interesting. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. trying to find a way to, to answer, to say this carefully. I, I've noticed a lot of the people who I know that are Gen Z that aren't interested in the church is because of some of the conflict of those before. Um, specifically, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people, and I would say a lot of millennials, who kind of experience church hurt or these kind of different things in the church that caused them to leave because of their experience. You're saying you stayed because of your experience. Yeah. How how does this tension of our some of our experiences are wildly different from one another and then the generation yeah. behind looking at that, like, where does all that tension sit with you guys? Like, how do you answer these questions? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I definitely agree there. We have met many, many people who have either never stepped in a church because they know of what's going on in the church, or there are people like you mentioned who have been in the church and have just chosen to leave. Mm -hmm. What to make of it? Like, I mean, I think like our experience, like I said, has been very positive. And I don't know that I would say that that's different because I do think some of the people who have left church have probably overall had positive experiences as well. I mean, I think back to like some kids from my youth group who no longer attend church, but never that I'm aware of, I should at least say, have like a really bad experience with church and always seem very invested and involved. But I think 
life sometimes as people get older. I think the experience, maybe for whatever reason, like it was not, um, you know, it just didn't like stick for them in the same way that it did for us. It maybe was not given that same level of like priority in their lives. I mean, they may have been there, but may have not taken the time to like, you know, uh, you know, invest in it quite as much as they could have. And then you you step away from it and, you know, I, I mean, it's probably nice to have your Sundays and then, you know, back. And I think there's a lot of reasons why people have positive experiences and leave, not just negative experiences. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, too, is we can't speak to people that have been through traumas. That's a whole nother category. But for people who stepped away just because, um, you know, they don't want to go anymore or other things have taken priority. I think at the end of the day, church still has more to offer than not. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe that's where we could bridge the gap is I know that it's not, you know, staying home to watch football yeah. or whatever, or, you know, whatever sort you yeah. want to watch um, or going to whatever game, but it's still important. It has more to offer. Yeah. And I think to Bree's point about the traumas though, I mean, I think that is probably an under-recognized problem yeah. in the, in our church, not our specific church, but big C church. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've sort of maybe even downgraded or sort of like poo-pooed people's experiences as being like, well, that can't possibly be that bad. But, you know, I think there's a lot of oper- like um, things that occur to people in church that we probably didn't think, like we probably watched it happen and didn't think it was traumatic, but people probably like sort of swallowed their, their pride or just didn't say anything about it. And it could have been just like some small comment that somebody mm-hmm. made one time and it was enough to like sort of just put, push them off like these are not the kind of people who say they are mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's a unique spot for millennials too because mm-hmm. it, it does seem like just the way that psychology is developed and modern medicine and all that mm-hmm. a lot of the generations before us never quite got it thought a lot of this stuff wasn't real and the generation after us a lot of times it seems are almost too reliant or too focused on mental health not that you shouldn't be but it's kind of like a mm-hmm. it, it Sometime during our generation, it went from this stuff isn't real to everyone needs a therapist, which, hey, maybe everybody does need a therapist. I'm not dogging it. I'm just saying that transition did happen. And that's Mm -hmm. one that I find that's one of the things I find really interesting. We're thinking about like the church hasn't changed, but the fundamental understanding of people's mental health, which I think is directly tied to their spiritual health, has fundamentally changed. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So so what, what, what do we do with that? Is there like. Are we supposed to be the the gap bridgers or are we just supposed to kind of do our own thing? Like what what do we do with this? I think we have to be the gap bridgers. Yeah. I mean, if we're not, then who is? You know, I th- we we have to do something. And and I think we talked a little bit about that in the piece, though, is I think that's kind of the amazing thing about churches. There are not a lot of places like work or, you know, school where you're going to get to interact with all of the generations. And so we have the ability to do it. So it would be terrible to miss that opportunity to try to bridge the gap, to bring younger people in, to learn from the older generation. It would be a really big missed opportunity. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I think it, we stand in a space where like we have, you know, we've experienced, like you sort of mentioned, this broad swing in the church, which I think actually gives us a unique opportunity to mm-hmm. understand both perspectives yeah. and sort of hold that space and hold that gap for other people where we can bring those who may think just as an example, mental health is not a real thing. Those who may be, 
you know, or on the opposite end of it, where like mental health is is a huge deal. Um, people who think church is the most important thing in the world, people who think church is not important at all. Mm-hmm. And we're sort of standing here like, well, actually, both things not can be true at the same time, but there's a middle ground. And I think that's part of the thing about millennials that we, I think we're middle ground kind of people because we have seen, you know, such a, a broad swing in in life just in general i mean we remember cassette tapes <laughs> and now yeah. you know we're you know everything's on a hard drive on a computer yeah. or a usb like you know everything's bluetooth we i mean i was just setting up for our nephew a, a playstation one on like my in-laws tv and he's like where where's like the memory like what are these memory cards that, that are on this playstation right but it, so i think That's we have great. this nice yeah. middle perspective of we we can see both ends of it yeah, and we i can think get both sides that gives us a unique opportunity to try and bring some healing and unity to the church mm-hmm. yeah i think you mentioned technology i think that's another one of those big hurdles mm-hmm. is i mean not just culturally but even like the church because i, I think i think it's it's hard the church is still acting like everything just happens in person which there, I do think there is a place for things happening in person. But when we talk about church a lot of time, we're talking about one particular service on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Nothing else in our society works that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not like, yes, there are physical get togethers, but there isn't anything where we're doing it the same time every week all of the time, because that's just not how life in our current culture works. Um, do, you, do you think the church is kind of outdated on how it does? It's like Sunday morning model or what, what do you all think about that? <sighs> I think I think some of it is outdated for sure. I mean, we have to change certain things to reach the next generations. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the shift in technology is so obvious. And if we continue to ignore it, we're not going to be able to reach the people that we need to reach. And so you have to utilize uh, technology. Um, but yeah, so I think and I, I know some churches have tried to change things, you know, like go to different days and different times and all of that. But like you're saying, it needs to be more than just once a week. We need to be reaching people on a regular basis, have community more often and not just put ourselves, peg ourselves into once a week. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I totally agree. The church, we're already, I think from an outsider's perspective, who's not in the church, we're already operating off of a book that's 2000 years mm-hmm. old. And so um, to then turn around and be like, well, we're not changing our ways on right. how we reach people or how we conduct business. I think just like Bree was saying, sets us back even more. And yeah, there needs to be a different approaches. And it's definitely not going to be something that there's a one size fits all for every church in the entire mm-hmm. country. But I think each church really does need to take the time to consider what are the ways that my service is welcoming to people who are already in the church? But why, how can I, I guess, how can we reach people who aren't already at the church and technology could be a huge way, uh, you know, of of doing Mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting when you take it like in the full broad context of the church's history, because we went from church just kind of being a, the group of people, it was never like a once a week, you know, get together thing to, well, actually to make sense in certain cultures at certain times, we started developing what we have now at the church on a certain day where we can all meet for convenience sake. But now that's no longer convenient. And we're holding on to this thing that kind of happened <laughs> yeah. in the middle. And it's like, okay, but it would be 
really easy to go back to that. We're a community of people always connecting now that we have a these, these phones. I could just always be connected with people, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. yeah, it's easy yeah. to go back to that group thing. And yet there's a lot of resistance towards it, almost as though it's a new thing. I guess the technology part's new, but the idea of it being community really isn't. Well, and I think to speak to that, a lot of the people in the church yeah. are technology averse, though, too. Mm-hmm. And so that I think yeah. that's a lot of the problem is we're seeing people like our parents' generation um, who understand technology, but don't, it's not in every – almost like every moment part of their mm-hmm. lives – which I think is what's needed to sort of accomplish that sort of thing. And and young people who want, might want to try that are going to get pushed back. And then that in and of itself is probably going to be off-putting mm-hmm. for sure. But I mean, I totally agree about your comment, Josh, about like the, the community of believers. I mean, really, that is how the early church was set up is, you know, everybody shared everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like we meet on Sundays at 11 <laughs> and make sure we make it to Cracker Barrel by noon, you right. know, like, and then we won't see you. Yeah. We'll see you next <laughs> Sunday. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I totally, we've talked about this before too. I mean, some of the places that the church is most successful are places where the church is most oppressed as well, mm-hmm. you know, which means yeah. like they are very, they have to be reliant on each other. The church is not like a place of convenience in those places. Like it's mm-hmm. a, a place of life and survival almost. And so I think, um, not that I want, you know, us <laughs> right. to be in that sort of situation, but I think we have to take lessons from that as we try to apply it in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we mentioned, um, some of the mental health differences, some of the technology differences. Do y'all have any other like major hurdles that you think the, the church is facing when it comes to like unity amongst generations? Yeah. I mean, Definitely, this is part of our piece too, but just politics. I mean, so much of the church is now tied to politics, and I should say the Christian church is tied to politics. And really, I mean, Christianity should bleed into everything. If we're Christians, of course, it should affect politics and things like that. But it feels like politics have kind of taken over the church a little bit. And so I think just the divide um, in ideology, but specifically partisan ideology, has really separated the church and yeah, just made yeah. unifying difficult. Yeah. No, definitely. No, I totally, totally agree with that. I don't, couldn't, really couldn't say it any better. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sign off on that. Yeah. I remember before Tim Keller passed, when um, the last election year was around, he mm-hmm. wrote just a piece kind of saying, there isn't a Christian option. And he just kind of pointed out how neither of these <laughs> right. things are actually Christian. Right, right. Pick one, but it's not a Christian option. And I, I love that. I know he got a lot of pushback from that, but I think, yeah, I, I think that's the hard thing is you have one generation that sees how could a Christian ever vote for, you know, right. a partisan that's supporting abortion, supporting, you know, right. whatever this or that. And then the other one saying, well, how could you ever vote for someone that's not taking care of the poor? That's not helping our immigrants. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Like, but yeah, those are both great points. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like they're incapable of seeing eye to eye on that, though. So, all right. So let's just with with these three. I know there's plenty of others, but how how do we bridge the gap? We said we need to bridge the gap, but what does it look like to practically? We're seeing these generational differences. What can we do to help maintain unity in the church when in light of all this? I mean, honestly, things like this. I know that we're of the same generation, but really more conversations need to happen because if you don't hear the other parties or the other, you know, 
whoever side, yeah. generation, party, whatever, then you have nothing to combat with what you believe. And so you can't unify if you don't know the other person that you're not seeing eye to eye with. And so I think it's so important to talk to people, understand why they believe what they believe. And then it makes it, I think, more easy to then have church with those people. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think technology has given us this almost like safety net of anonymity as a society. And so people hide behind that and feel like they can say anything and be bombastic and say crazy things. And there's many people who stand up in a pulpit who are fully bombastic and want you to know who exactly who they are. But to Bree's point, talking really probably is the most important thing and we don't do it enough. We don't sit down and really get to know people who are different from us. And so, and like Jesus, Jesus spent so much time with people who are different from him and encouraged the disciples to go into the town to be with people who are different. And, and so I think that really is, is relationship and talking and just having conversations. You don't have to, and the goal of the conversation is not to change anybody's mind. It's just like to share your perspective and hear somebody else's perspective as well because i think that's where the growth really happens for both people they get to hear our perspective we get to hear theirs and i think that is what leads to change and on top of that just like being an authentic church as well not just sitting and hiding in our our churches but getting out and doing missional you know and and not with the expectation that you're going to come to church because we came and did this soup kitchen or whatever, but like just be out and serving people, uh, I think is talking and serving, I think are probably the two most important pieces to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think as much as I, I, I do enjoy some of the age group things that churches do, you know, youth group was great growing up, that kind of thing. I, I feel like that it's almost like we need to start having sessions of intentional small groups of everyone being different ages. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because, you know, when you're when you're isolated all the time, it's like, yeah, these are my people. So it's easy to relate to. But then it's also when is the growth supposed to happen? <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. No, I totally agree. Yeah. All right. So we also want to talk to you guys about a, a book you guys wrote, uh, The <laughs> Intrepid Three, Animus Revealed. Uh, what would you say your inspiration for this work is? Yeah. So, of course, it was born out of the pandemic, <laughs> like many of things. Really, yeah. And so, yeah, so we had a ton of time and well, I shouldn't say a ton of time, but we had a lot more time than we did now. Yeah. And um, so we were both at home more. Matt was still having to go to work some, but I was working from home. I was also pregnant. And mm-hmm. so I was just kind of sitting at home thinking and we're just so downtrodden at the time because again, politics yeah. were terrible. They're still not great, but they were terrible. And you know, you had all the time in the world to watch it unfolding. <laughs> and then of course the pandemic yeah. was just horrific. And so mm-hmm. you saw the death toll going up. And so there was just so much that upset us. And so we were just sitting and we were like, what could we do? We need an outlet. And so I came up with this idea and I presented it to Matt and we didn't really know where it would lead, but we thought, well, let's just start writing it down and see what comes of it. And it turned into a book. And so we were like, this is great. (laughs) That's awesome. Awesome. So what what would you say is like the premise? Like how do you do like the elevator pitch for people to want to? Yeah. 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 So the Intrepid Three Animus Revealed, it is a young adult fantasy sci-fi book about three teenagers who are from three very distinct and different worlds. They ultimately are meat 
individually the author of the universe, the creator of the universe, and he recruits them to help restore humanity and defeat these evil forces and armies who have infiltrated each of the different worlds in various forms. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So in each of the different worlds. So is it like a multiverse kind of story? Yeah. It, yeah it's yeah, like, well, yes, it is. It's technically, we always say three worlds just to like simplify it, but it's mm-hmm. technically three planes on the same planet. It's the same planet. They're overlapping, but separate and none of them are aware of each other. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so what, who you said it was a, you wrote it for young adult kind of audience or is it one like anybody can pick up? Yeah, it's one that anyone can pick up. Mm-hmm. We definitely thought it's probably a good uh, young adult book, but we've heard from a lot of people that they enjoy it of any age. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. And uh, so you did it just kind of the pandemic, but is there anything else like, do you have anything that you were hoping to accomplish with it or is it just kind of just a fun project? No, I think it's more than just a fun project. I mean, it really was born out of a hope to write something that was much, that was Christian would fall under the category of Christian, but be a much more positive um, voice. And I think, like, I think there are a lot of potentially negative Christian perspectives that Mm -hmm. were being espoused at the beginning of the pandemic. And so we wanted to be like a positive Christian uplifting voice that hopefully would both unite Christians, but also would be welcoming and open to non Christians as well. Like, Mm -hmm. it falls under the category of Christian young adult fiction but really it's written from a perspective that anybody could pick it up even a non-christian and enjoy it Mm -hmm. and yeah there's allegory to it and there's you know sort of over time is like we're it's the first book in a series of three we're working on the second book now nice um but ultimately it's sort of the gospel story told through allegory in a accessible and interesting way Mm. yeah fantasy sci-fi is always Always a good way to go. <laughs> so uh, do y'all have anywhere you prefer people to pick the book up? Do you care? Is it just like go on Amazon or do y'all have like your own website you want them to check out or? Yeah. I mean, they Amazon's a easy place to go. You get a prime, it'll be delivered, yeah. you know, in a, in a couple of days. Um, but you can always go check out our website as well. Brianna, Matthew Penfold.com. We've got, um, you know, our books there. It'll take you to different websites, Amazon, Barnes and Noble or IndieBound or the three places that you could buy the book, but it's also got some of like the awards and, and reviews that our book has gotten so far as well. Some other, um, like media, publicity that we've gotten so far awesome awesome you said awards what uh what all awards do y'all win for it the firebird award and literary titan literary titan as well yeah that's cool and and then a couple five star reviews as well from a couple different outlets oh man that's awesome it's awesome i i'm trying to up my reading game this year so i might have to i'll probably i will have to add that to my list (laughs) i was actually i was just i was like getting ready for this just doing like the millennial stuff and you know seeing that piece and whatever and i was like wait a minute they wrote a book let's talk about that too (laughs) now now i gotta have to dig into that that's gonna be fun but uh one thing we do like to ask every guest and i know this is a little bit of a hard transition this isn't fantasy but uh we like to ask everybody if you had to provide just a tangible action just a single practical thing that people could do that would help better maintain unity in the church today what action would you suggest people take yeah i mean i think for us it goes back to what we talked about earlier and we'll just kind of you know hammer on it because it is important to us but just talking 
and listening to other people is really, I think, the most important thing when it comes to unity, taking that time to understand somebody else's perspective. Yeah. And also just making sure that people are invited to the table to share their voice, but also that they're accepted and that they're welcome once they get there so that people don't have to look for specific places that they fit perfectly into. Everyone should feel welcome at every table that is Christ's. Well, since we we talked about generational stuff, I I feel as though sometimes talking and listening, like it sounds great. But sometimes it's hard for people. Like you don't just, yeah. hey, this guy looks it like is. he's a different generation. Let me just walk up and be like, yo, can I get your number? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. How would you suggest people start these conversations? I would stay, say with start with people you know. You know, start easy. Start in family. Start with friends. <laughs> start with people that go to church or that you know go to church or that you're comfortable with or if you're able to at work or school or your mm-hmm. circles. Then I would say start there and then keep going out. Yeah. And I think some of it too is like the premise of which you're coming at somebody with a conversation as well. Yeah. So definitely agree. Like don't go up to some stranger in the grocery <laughs> store and be like, have you been to church recently? But I like Bree's <laughs> yeah. idea of, you know, starting close, but also just, you know, being realistic about like, it's, it's harder to do in practicality than what I'm about to say, but setting expectations for the conversation. Like, I just want to talk to you. Like, I'm not going to judge you. I'm just I'm curious. I want to hear your perspective. And, you know, I think that goes a long way in sort of taking down the walls that people build up because Christianity, yeah. depending on who you're talking to, people will put up their defenses real mm-hmm. quick. And so okay. I think trying to help lower the, the temperature of the room and just by saying like, look, I'm just trying to understand, be a better follower, better faithful person myself. And you almost like put it on them, like you can help me do that as somebody who maybe doesn't come go to church on a regular basis. Or who has been for decades. Yeah, or who has been for decades. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man. Yeah, that's good stuff. And what do you think would change in our churches and in our world if people just started having these conversations more often? I mean, I think we'd have uh, a world that is much less angry if people would just like stop and talk to each other for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we would be better for it, though. I think that the world would be better, but we would be better if we understood other people more and didn't just close ourselves off and just went in our little circles of, you know, our friends and uh, the people that are our sex or, Mm -hmm. you know, like we were saying, our age, we would be better for it, too. Yeah. And that's coming from two introverts as well. You know, getting outside of our circle can be difficult to do, but it's like so very important to be around people who are different from us and have different perspectives and different life experiences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had um, when I lived in Charleston, one of the I'd I'd say one of the times I think I I was able to grow the most in like a a church kind of context. We had a small group that we started ourselves from people at work, weirdly enough. But I worked at Bilo at the time. Well, it was Piggly Wiggly back then, but uh, it was myself, um, a guy who identified himself as redneck, you know, (laughs) somebody who claimed they were always from the hood, who kind of grew up with like everybody's like these wildly different backgrounds. And like we just got together and just talked. And it was like, man, it was so great. And it was it was the reason I bring it up is that we actually called ourselves because we were all kind of introverts. We called the group introverts are us. It was hilarious. It, it ended up becoming a, a pretty good sized group of just everybody identified as introverts. I was like, this is right. Okay, sure. <laughs> hey, it worked. It was great. It was great. So one 
last thing we do before we start wrapping up is our God moment segment. Um, that's just where we just go over something God's done with us recently, you know, whether it was a blessing, a challenge, anything like that. Um, TJ likes to make me go first, so I'll go first, give you guys some time to think <laughs> about it. And um, yeah, just share something that uh, God's been up to. I'm stalling and thinking because <laughs> we can I go first if you want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I had one, but I usually take the time that TJ uses to explain it to remember mine. <laughs> yeah. y- y'all do have one? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll let you start while I'm trying to remember. <laughs> oh, I remember. <laughs> go ahead and start. <laughs> um, I mean, I honestly think that like, this whole process of our book has really been a God moment. And, and there's been multiple times throughout this entire process where it's been a God moment from, Hey, we should even do this to, we finished it to, we got it published. And then having the opportunity to like do a couple podcasts and reach out and sort of talk about the book, but also talk about the things that are even like what the book is about, like the church. And I'll be honest with you. When we, found out that we were going to get to like come chat with you guys on the whole church podcast. We we're like, this is our jam. Like, like this just, is great. <laughs> this is right up our alley. We <laughs> are so excited to talk about this because it, it's weighs so heavily, I think on our hearts. And so, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think just this conversation and this opportunity to, to chat has been such a God moment for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And along that process, there were lots of failures and successes. Mm-hmm. And so every <laughs> failure was meant to be and every success was meant to be. And every person we met and interacted with was meant to be. Every person that we didn't interact mm-hmm. with, it wasn't meant to be. And so it was, it's been a total God phase, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> a really long ongoing God moment. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Man, that's great. I I thought of mine. It, it's kind of wild, but um, I I guess it's a blessing and a challenge. I I think it's a twofer. So I recently, the last few months, I started a new job at Chipotle. I left where I was at. I won't say the company's name for whatever sake. Uh, I think people listening probably know, but you know it's fine. Um, <laughs> I went to Chipotle, left that job, and. Last Wednesday, I found out that they let go of that entire department with wow, no warning. Yeah, mm. no warning or anything. So I feel very blessed that God provided something else in time yeah. for me not to have to connect with that and um, challenged on how I can love my friends and neighbors that were there that still part of that work environment that uh, are dealing with this and um what I can do for them without being like, oh man, that sucks. It didn't happen to me. You know, like I don't want to come <laughs> off poorly, but I, w- I want to love them well and just kind of that challenge along with the blessing. So um, yeah, I guess that's a, a two for God moment, but that's what I'm going with this week. And uh, I, I like it. it. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, God is God is good. That That's all. God is good. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So with that, uh, we are going to go ahead and wrap this one up. But if you want to stay behind, we have a couple of other stuff for our patrons we're going to be doing. So, you know, if you're listening, hang out. But uh, for now, if you liked this episode, be sure to share it with a friend, an enemy or a cousin. Not sure why you have enemies. Do share it with your cousins. They're more likely to listen than others, I think, probably. Uh, 
if you want to just support the show, you can go over to Captivate. You can subscribe to get some of those bonus catches we're talking about. Or you could even do just a one-time tip where you just leave a donation to support the show. That's always helpful. Again, make sure you check out the other shows in the Amazon Ministry Podcast Network. Let Nothing Move You. The Homily. That's another one I think with Pastor Will you should check out. It's a good stuff over there. We hope you enjoyed this show. Next week, we're going to be doing another roundtable discussion on tithing and church memberships. Uh, following that, we will take one week off before starting a mini series we're calling The Controversial Unity. Uh, we're going to discuss some controversial stuff about that we might disagree with others about and see how we can have unity while disagreeing with topics like LGBTQ issues, um, speaking in tongues, biblical inerrancies, stuff like that. We're going to have some exciting return guests, uh, Pete Inns, Thomas Orr, Trip Fuller, Trimper Longman III, a few others. And finally, at the end of season one, Francis Chan is going to be joining us, even though he doesn't know it. We're just going to keep saying it until someone <laughs> lets him know. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Again, you could always sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast or on captivate.fm or on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us a one-time tip through Captivate. Thank you for listening.